Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. faithful and he is so good and I just um, believe that where he wants to take us today that we need to lay a foundation so that we can get there because it is about you he has you here for a reason this morning and you might have had to press through and push through to get here today and you might have had to have uh, uh, pushed back a little bit on the resistance of the enemy as he kept you from getting here today because that's what he wants to do But God has a greater purpose and a greater plan. And sometimes, um, this makes us uncomfortable, but it really is true. We allow the enemy to trump our God thoughts. We allow his thoughts, those things that he puts in our head, to become bigger than the thoughts of God. And the ways that he thinks of us and the plans that he has for our life. That becomes an idol That's an ugly word to us, right? If I asked you if you had idols in your life, you would say, nope. I don't have any idols in my life. But it says that anything that we put above God is an idol. We can put our thoughts above God, and it can become an idol in our life. And God will not stand for that. He does not want that for us. That's not condemnation, but that's just right thinking, We need to, like Ken said last week, we have to renew our minds. And the way that we do that is by knowledge, right? I mean, we've, uh, when I was growing up in school, they've talked all the time about knowledge is power. Anybody remember like that, that drive, knowledge is power. That's rooted in scripture. Daryl says it a lot when he shares and he says, my people perish for lack of knowledge, Right? And so we do better when we know better. That's a cliche too, but it's founded in scripture. We do better when we know better. And this morning he wants us to know better so that we can do better. So that we understand the mandate on our life and the breaker anointing that he's placed within us. So that we can break through in areas in our life. That we can break down strongholds and idols and the things that we allow themselves to exalt themselves, to raise themselves above God in our life. Those are the things that we want breakthrough in. And those can be any number of things. And I say this a lot and I'm going to say it again. This I don't like to repeat myself, so then, but then I'm told I should just keep saying it, but then it makes me self-conscious about it. So I'm trying to get better about not being self-conscious about it but it's just the way it is there's a mandate on this house there's a mandate that God placed on this house and that's for regional breakthrough and we are pursuing that with all that we have in him and I'm excited this morning that he said I have I am the breaker he is the breaker and so he's making a way for us to break through in those regional things And it starts with us personally. Because if we can get those things in our personal life broken off of us, then we can walk into the territory that he wants for us to take in victory. 
Because if we don't, then we're going out broke, busted, and disgusted. Right? We don't have anything to offer the world. But if we go out and we've already walked through with the breaker and we recognize it's the, he's going before us. But it's us recognizing that that is what it is. So, you know, generational curses. If you, if you read in scripture about generational curses, you would find out that really once we, we become transformed and renewed in Christ, there are no generational curses. But we have to deal with them in our life, don't we? Why do we have to deal with them? We deal with them because we are not aware that we don't have to deal with them. Because if we realized that God had already taken care of it, then we wouldn't have to deal with those things. I can sit around with my family, and my grandfather was an alcoholic. And so my mom and her brothers and sisters decided they wouldn't touch alcohol because he was such a mean alcoholic, and they didn't want that to be a part of their life. But instead, they just traded it for another addiction. And it was an addiction to food. And so when I sit with my uncle around the table, he'll say, well, we're just big people. And I'll say, no, we're not. No, we're not. Because that comes with its own issues. And I'm going to break that off of my family. That's not going to be an issue that my children are going to deal with. But if I listen to him talk, that's what he say. Now, he'll, he'll say, and I love him, and he'll say things like, well, you know, but we're not alcoholics. No, but we're still dealing with things that God broke off of us that we shouldn't be dealing with. And so I refuse to let that be an issue in my life. And it sure isn't going to be an issue in my children's life. Because it says that, it, that the blessing on my life is for generations and generations and generations. So what you are establishing now is not just for you. The breakthrough that, that occurs in your life right now is not just for you. But it's for the generations upon generations, Brian. It's the generations to come. And so I'm setting up places of victory within my own life so that, that my children can step into greater things. It says that the generations to come will carry even a greater anointing than the previous one, right? The mantle is greater. That's what we want, but we don't want the addictions and the issues to become greater. We want the blessings and the victories and the anointing to become greater on the next generation. That's what we want to see. And in order to do that, we've got to allow the breaker to come in and break off the things in our life that need to be broken off so that they're not things that we continue to walk in or deal with. We have to begin to take territory that the enemy wants to tell us that he has, but he does not. Because greater is he that's in me who is the breaker than he that is in the world. Now, if you look at the term anointing, I wanted to look this up because, like I said, I'm not one for just catching on to the latest fad or the latest craze. I kind of steer clear from those kinds of things because I need to know that I know. 
Because what you'll find out is a lot of things that we just take on as truth is not actually truth. And it just keeps us bound in bondage and unbelief. And so I need to know, when I say that there's a breaker anointing in the house, I need for you to know what that is, and that's not just for me to get an amen. (laughs) Thank you. But I'll take it. (laughs) Okay. So the breaker anointing is a lifestyle. It's not just a moment of breakthrough. It is about territory and the breaking through opposition to God's will. That's what it is. I'm going to read it again. The breaker anointing is a lifestyle. It's a way of living. We take it everywhere we go. When we walk into darkness, we take the breaker with us. When we're sitting somewhere and we're ministering to them in a super dark place, we're bringing the light. We're bringing the breaker with us in those moments. We don't need to be afraid, but we need to step into our authority. We need to step into who God says that we are, and we need to release the breaker anointing to do what needs to take place and we need to take the territory we need to take the moment we need to take the moment I don't know about y'all but I am so ready I I don't I want to live we were just talking about this this morning and I want to live and it's God's mandate I believe on my life to function in the offense and I believe it's on your life as well that we function in an offensive manner That means we have strategies and plans. And I just said this to somebody this morning. I said, the offense is the one that scores the goal. Right? I don't even know about sports, but I did a little reading, just so y'all know. So if I get it wrong, y'all going to have to talk to Wikipedia, okay? Because this is all I know. (laughs) Is that wrong? Is that Southern? Is that Southern? Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm just a Southern girl. (laughs) And so we need to live life in the offense. And the way that we can do that is because the breaker goes before us. And it says that he goes up before us. See, he's already been to hell. That's not where he intends us to go. Nor is that where he intends for us to function. He intends for us to function on the higher place. Which we talk about all the time in this house because we know that he said we're going to ascend the mountain. And it tells me that there will be obstacles, otherwise the breaker wouldn't have to go forth, right? If there were no obstacles, we wouldn't need the breaker. But there are obstacles. And he has a plan and a strategy for those obstacles. And so what we need to do is to release him in our life so that we can receive the breakthrough that is meant for us to live in. And that we can ascend that mountain with the breaker who actually resides on the inside of us. So that we can take the territory and advance the kingdom of God. And the only time we experience resistance is when the kingdom is advancing. So if you are experiencing resistance in your life, and I tell you, it sucks sometimes. I'm just going to be flat honest with you. And that's not even like churchy to say. But it does. Sometimes it's a really cruddy week. Or a day. Right? And we have to face uh, opposition and resistance that we don't want to deal with. But that's in those moments that we have to remember that we put on a garment of praise for a spirit uh, of heaviness. And that our praise carries us through. And for the past two Sundays, I've been sensing this um, lavishness of worship. 
Like when we're in worship, all I can see in my head is that woman with that alabaster box. And alabaster is a stone. It's a stone. You know, it's not a wood box that she broke open to pour over him. And it says that she showed up after dinner. And if you look, I love this. I just have to give you this visual because I did some reading and some research on it. And it says that custom would have been that Jesus would have been lounged on the floor having finished dinner. He was like chilling, like hanging out on the floor. That's where he would have been. And here she comes in and she says, I just want to worship you. In a really extravagant and lavish way, what would it have meant for her as a woman to come into that situation? And to humble herself in extravagance. And to break open that stone container. That we all know if you've been in church for a minute, that that was an extremely valuable perfume in that box. Upwards of a year's wages, they said. History tells us. On Wikipedia. I'm just kidding. It probably does there too. And she breaks open that box. And she pours it over the Messiah's head. She pours it over his head. To worship him. Can you just imagine what that must have looked like? And what the other people in the room was thinking about her when she did that. And they didn't like it. The religious people in that room, the Pharisee, didn't like it. They looked at what she was doing and they were offended and appalled. But Jesus didn't stop her worship. And it was extravagant, above extravagance. There he was, enjoying a meal relaxed in the moment and she comes in and pours oil over his head if I pour oil over my husband's head after dinner he ain't gonna be that happy with me I just want y'all to know right but Jesus didn't stop that worship and there is something about extravagant worship that moves the heart of Yahweh He loves it because in those moments when we're extravagant with our worship and we're lavishing that upon him, he knows that our heart is surrendered to him. And so there is no judgment when it comes to your worship in this house. And if you for one second want to judge somebody else's worship, then I just want to break that spirit off of you. Because you don't know. You don't know their heart for the Father. You don't know their heart. And for some of us, it's a very external and expressive way of worship. And there may be others of you that are worshiping just as well on the inside. And you're breaking off your box. And you're pouring your worship over his head. And that oil just running down. That sweet smelling fragrance of worship. 
earlier this year, back in uh, June, he spoke the word extravagant to me. And I thought, I wasn't really sure what it meant. And so I went to the dictionary because that's what you do. Extravagant, lacking restraint, exceeding what is reasonable and appropriate. Absurd, costly, excessive, disproportionate, over the top, unwarranted, gushy, I like that one, unrestrained and adorned. That's extravagant worship. And he loves us extravagantly. Nathaniel, I'm going to read out of Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 in the Passion Translation in just a minute. Because, see, that word is found in Scripture, and it talks about how he loves us. It says that he loves us extravagantly, absurdly. That's the one that stands out for me because that's kind of an offensive word. If you tell someone, you're absurd, they're like, ow, I don't like that. Lacking restraint. That's the way he loves us. And I believe that that reciprocation of our worship can look much the same. That it can be extravagant. And it really, if we're worshiping him from that place of extravagance, then there's no place for idols in our life. There's no place for us to be putting our focus and our agenda and our ideas onto anything else other than him. Because when she came in and broke that box and poured that oil over her, she didn't care who was in the room. She had to forget about everything else going on in that place for her to be able to do that. She only had eyes for him. And he said, come. He welcomed it. I have to imagine he condemned those, and he did, that had anything negative to say about what she was doing. Because he loved her extravagance and received her offering and received her worship. And he receives ours. And you may say, well, what does that have to do with the breaker anointing? It has a lot to do with it because it's the place that we seat our heart. Where is our heart seated? Why do we think that Paul and Silas were able to break open that jail with their praise? Because it was extravagant. Who worships the Lord when they're in prison? Right? That's absurd. That's going to look ridiculous. Last week when we were in pre-service prayer and we felt like we were supposed to worship. And we begin to to play, I thank God, and, and our flesh begins to get really uncomfortable because we're really close to the person next to us. And we have to push through those moments to get to that place where we can really worship him freely because we're so concerned with everybody else that's around us that we, we can't do that. We can't push through that. But that's what we have to do because that's where he's taking us. We have to be able to push through. We have to be able to turn our focus and our eyes and our agenda completely and solely on him. Because he desires for us to take territory. And I believe that there's a significant connection to our worship. And that's living the life of worship. 
that even in the bad moments and in the scary moments and in the hard moments that we praise him. Even when we got a bad report from the doctor, we praise him. Because the report doesn't become the idol or the God in our life. But we allow God to stay enthroned upon our hearts. Is that always easy? No. But it is about renewing the mind. It is about changing our focus and our understanding. It doesn't change the fact that we'll have to walk through trials and hard times. Because those are going to come. Because we're advancing the kingdom. And so there's going to be resistance. But we get to choose in those moments who we're going to worship. I mean, and I, I, ouch. Am I going to worship my situation or am I going to worship him? Am I just going to break open my box again? And am I just going to worship him extravagantly? In Ephesians, before I run you all off. Chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to read this whole passage because I think it's valuable. And we'll get to the yummiest part, the gushy part in verse 19. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father, our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray, I love this, when Paul goes into prayers in the middle of his letters. I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor. Until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with divine might and explosive power. And if you struggle right here. If you struggle with things that you begin to feel overwhelmed with or flooded with negative thoughts and ideas. Then this should, could become your prayer. This could, you could put, insert your name into this. Let this become your prayer. Supernaturally flood me with strength, Father. We're just using his words, which he loves to hear. And like I said last time, I had an opportunity to share with you. It becomes rhema. It becomes revelation. It becomes revelatory in our life. It activates us on the inside. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Don't we want to rest in his love? And if we learn to, to live on the offense and not the defense, we'll find a place of rest in him. We won't be weary from the battle. Because we've already discussed with him, we've already allowed him to move forward into territory in our life that we can take with him and we can find a place of rest, even in the hard situations, even in the battle. How is that even possible without him? And it absolutely isn't, but it is possible with him. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its diminishes dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. It goes past what we can even fathom is how much He loves us. 
This extravagant love, this absurd, limitless, no boundaries, disproportionate love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's the anointing. That's the authority that we can walk in. That's what anointing is. In the Old Testament, when they anointed people, it was oil that was poured over. It was a commissioning. It was a setting forth and establishing something. We are anointed. He has set forth and established us. He has placed that anointing in us through the Holy Spirit. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. He does want us to manifest things in the earth. He wants to release his glory on the earth and he chooses to do that through his sons and daughters. He does that through our life. So anointing. So I just told you that it's often a ritual done to install someone in, in a new office or role of authority. And when we become children of God and we receive the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. He establishes us. He seats us in heavenly places. We become citizens of heaven and we get to rule from there to the earth. You see how that happens? So we have been anointed. And in Isaiah 61.1, I didn't give you that passage of scripture either, Nathaniel. It says the year, it's titled the year of Yahweh's favor. It says the spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me. And upon means um, in, on, over, above, by, for, through, throughout, around, and beside. That's what it means. Not just on me, like I could go sit in Sophie's lap. I'd be on her, right? Mm -mm. It says, upon, in, on, over, above, by, for, through, throughout, around, and beside. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is upon me. That's his wrap around and wrap through anointing. Because Yahweh has anointed me. He has set me to bring good news to the oppressed. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim release to the captives. And liberation to those who are bound. That is the breaker anointing. That is the breaker anointing. And how can this be? This was just for the Messiah. No. It's who we are. That's who we are. We carry the breaker anointing within us because we have been established in him and through him. He is in us and through us. That's absurd. That's extravagant. Limitless. That's good. I don't care. That's good. I'm preaching to myself happy. So if y'all just want to go with me, 
That's okay too. <sighs> Thank you. Yes, we need moments of breakthrough. But because of the anointing, everywhere we go, we carry the breaker with us. Because we too are anointed. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 26 through 27. It says, I have written these things about those who are attempting to lead you astray. Because that will happen. There will be those that will try to lead us astray. But the wonderful anointing you have received from God is so much greater than their deception and now lives in you. The anointing lives in us. That is the Holy Spirit. There is no need for anyone to keep teaching you. His anointing teaches you all that you need to know, for it will lead you into truth, not a counterfeit deception. So just as the anointing has taught you, remain in him. Now, we need to be really careful with this passage of Scripture because I have a feeling that it has been misconstrued over the years and has been taken out of context because people will say, I don't need anybody to teach me. I have the Holy Spirit. It's so gross. Okay. <sighs> That's embarrassing. Anyway. That is not, if you read that passage of Scripture, it's talking about false teaching. Those that desire to deceive you. That's what it's talking about. It's not saying that we should not listen to anointed pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists. Who, who God has given to the equipping of the church for the work of the kingdom. But it is saying don't let someone tickle your ears with deception and be led astray. That you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, which is the anointing, that's the breaker anointing that helps you cut through truth and lie. Stop laughing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Dr. Simmons says this about the anointing. It is clear from the context that the anointing is the Holy Spirit poured into us. Just like it said in Isaiah 61.1 that he'll come upon us, in us, through us, around us, before us, all that good stuff, right? Bringing life, illumination, wisdom, fruit, and power from the indwelling life of Christ. So when we have the, when the breaker anointing is present, which it is in us, it goes with us. He is wanting to empower you today. That's what God's wanting. He's wanting you to recognize the authority and the power that's within you. And that he goes before you. And Micah, let me go back to that scripture. Micah 2 verse 13. I think this is probably New King James Version. The one who breaks out before them goes up. They break through and pass the gate, going out through it. Their king passes before them, Yahweh at their head. He descended so that they could ascend into the high places. He desires for us to stay out of hell. Those are my words. That's not in there, but that's what I take from that. 
If you were here a few weeks ago, you know that Wade took us through this long message about all the gates that surrounded the temple. And it was good stuff in there. And right there, it's telling us that he will pass through the gate. And when we know that in the Old Testament, when he talks about going up, they're talking about going up to Zion, which is where the temple is. So we keep that in perspective so that we understand what we're looking at here is Jewish tradition what the Old Testament would have been experiencing at that time. And it says that the king would open the gate and would pass through first. That he would go first. He wasn't like, y'all just go ahead. I'll, I'll be catching up right here when I'm done with my dinner. He didn't say that. He said he'll go first. He'll open the gate. So it's not even about us breaking through first. It's about him breaking through and us going through in our authority. That we carry with us. The anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Right? So we know what the yoke is, right? He talked in agricultural terms because it was agriculture of the time. And these are, honestly, these are things that we should know as Christians. But sometimes we don't catch it. Why is he talking about a yoke? Why couldn't he just talk about, Sophie, come here. I know you're, whatever you're doing, come here. So he says that we are yoked up to him. That's a good thing. But we can be yoked up to things that we should not be yoked up to as well. And see, if you know anything about a yoke, if it's put on oxen or anything like that, and some of us are farmers, so we understand this is a real agricultural area, then there's yokes hanging around in my house because I live on a farm, you know. And there's this piece of wood in this particular yoke, and biblical yokes looked a little different, but it'll still give you the perspective. But it was made out of wood, and it would go between the two. And it literally went around their necks. Someone put my hand around your neck. Just like this. There would have been one around my neck, too. And so what? There you go. So then whatever we're yoked up to is where we're going. She's not going another direction that I'm not going. So we're yoked up together. So if I want to go this way, she's going to have to go with me. And if I want to go this way, she's got to go with me, right? So we're yoked up together. What are you yoked up to? What, the yoke? No. (laughs) Sorry. If you can't have fun, I don't know. What are you yoked up to? What are you yoked up to? Y'all don't get me in trouble. (laughs) In Leviticus 26, verse 13, it says, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. He brought them out of slavery. Egypt represents slavery. This is our God. He brings us out of slavery. He breaks those things off of us. And he goes on to say, from being their slaves, and I broke the bars of your yoke. And I caused you to walk upright, erectly, upright. Because we are no longer yoked to slavery, but we are free. We are free and we are yoked up with him. And he's the breaker. We are no longer slaves. In 2 Samuel 5.20 it says, So David came to Belparazim and defeated them there. And David said, Yahweh has burst through my enemies before me like the bursting of water. Therefore he called the name of the place Belparazim. 
And best I can find out, that's because it was the first place of victory. And when we brought him into our life, he gave us victory. That was our first place of victory. We don't need to be yoked up to all of our situations and our strongholds and our circumstances. He breaks us free. He is the breaker, and we carry that within us. And I'm ready to take some territory. I'll take your territory if you don't want it. Because I just feel that way this morning. I want to live on the offense. They win the victory. They win the victory. So let's do that. Let's yoke up to God because he broke off the yoke of Egypt, of slavery, off of our life. We don't have to live there because we have knowledge now. We don't have to perish for lack of knowledge. Right, Beth? Because now we have it. And we have understanding. And because we have that knowledge and understanding, we no longer have to live under generational curses. We no longer have to live under bondage because we know that whom we carry within us is the breaker. And that every situation I walk into, I bring that with me. Because it is in me, around me, and through me. And he, he has anointed me. He has anointed us to bind up the brokenhearted. To set the captives free. That is who we are. And if you feel bound this morning, I pray in this moment you're feeling optimistic. Worship team, you can go ahead and head back up if you want. Because we're about to worship extravagantly. And I ain't judging you and you just don't judge me. All right? And really, if you do, I don't care. I don't care. We laugh about it now, but a few months ago he uh, told me I was going to be naked and barefoot anyway. So here I am. That's in Isaiah 20, just so you know it's scriptural. Did you want this one? I want you to stand with me. The enemy wants to take the territory in your life. He's after that, but God is the breaker. And we're actually the ones who take territory. We overcome. And we go up. Because the king has gone before us. Yahweh has gone before us. And he has broken that yoke of slavery off of us. In Acts chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, in the Passion Translation, it says, When Paul and Barnabas arrived at Iconium, the same thing happened there. They went, and as they also did, to the synagogue and preached to the people with such power that a large crowd of both Jews and non-Jews believed. We go in power and authority. That's the way they went. That's the way Paul and Barnabas went. They went in power and anointing. They went in anointing. Some of the Jews refused to believe. And they began to poison the minds of the non-Jews to discredit the believers. Yet Paul and Barnabas stayed there for a long time. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Long suffering. And sometimes we're like, I'm getting out of here. But it says they stayed for a long time preaching boldly and fearlessly about the Lord. Many trusted in the Lord 
for he backed up his message of grace with miracles, signs, and wonders performed by the apostles. We, we, we are the New Testament church. We should be functioning and flowing in miracles, signs, and wonders as an overflow of the anointing that's on our life. That's who we are. And we don't run at the sign of trouble. We don't run. We stay. And we take territory. Because we live in the offense. I don't even care. Uh, In Psalms it says that he sets a table in the presence of my enemy. And that means I'm sitting at the table with God. I see the visual. I loved this when he gave me the revelation. And I was like, are you kidding me? How did I just always memorize that passage of scripture and not realize the impact of the fact that I'm sitting having a meal? How many times have you sat down at a table with somebody you didn't like? It don't feel good, right? We want to leave. We want to run. But this tells me that he set a table in the presence of my enemy. That tells me that if I keep my eyes, my worship set on him, that my enemy, he can do whatever he wants to do. Because I'm lavishing extravagantly my worship upon the king. That my focus is not about my situation and my circumstance. But we're here to uh, advance the kingdom of God. And I have no doubt in your life there are areas that you need breakthrough. And there are lies of the enemy that have said that you can't. And that you won't and you never will. And you're going to deal with it and they're going to deal with it. And it's just always going to be a part of life. And that is a lie. You are seated at a table in the presence of your enemy. That means that God is there. Yahweh is there. You are not yoked up to Egypt, to slavery. But you are free. And that's the breaker anointing. And I'm going to tell you now, this whole sanctuary is open. And if I were you, I would not stay where you are at. And I will say this again. And, and, uh, you know, we're just that church. We're not a casual Sunday morning experience. Because we truly believe that God wants to transform our region and transform our lives. And in order for that to take place, something has to change in here. And we have to become who he designed us to be. So that we can walk out of here and take everything that we're supposed to take for the kingdom of God. We're not advancing our kingdom. We're advancing his kingdom. I don't want any. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com connect with us on social media.